Oh, I was, I think I was unmuted the entire time. <laughs> anyway, here we are with another evening with the Crypto Crow and my, uh, my securities attorney, uh, Adam Tracy. Thank you very, very much for taking the time out um, to not only educate my viewers, but myself, because every time we talk, you're always so full of information and I never have a clue what the hell you're talking about. So hopefully <laughs> this, this will give me something that I can personally re refer to anytime I need to remember something important. Um, that, that is, uh, that's great. It's my pleasure. <laughs> so, um, so one of the first things um, that I wanted to address. Now, I know that a lot of people in my Patreon are, are going to be tuning into this. Even though I told them 7.30 Eastern, unfortunately, we, we you and I, our time zones are different, so we tend to get that confused. Um, so we're a little late, but hopefully that just gave everybody more time to finish up whatever the hell they were doing before we, we got on here. So uh, we'll see. But we I, I have some initial questions to get started with you, and then I'm sure there'll be questions from a lot of the Patreon, um, some of the accredited investors. And so ultimately what I want to do is um, just kind of enlighten everybody as to exactly what we're doing. Like what, what kind of started this, what our plan is, where we're at in the process. Um, you know, basically early on, you know, just for all the viewers, everybody pretty much knows, you know, I was helping some neighbors uh, with, with an ICO investing and things of that nature. And I started getting some really big whales. Uh, you know, contacting me, wanting me to invest for them. At which point I thought, you know, this is starting to get a little crazy. Like there, I need to make sure that I am doing everything in a compliant and legal manner. And that is when um, I looked up at him and I called him up and I said, hey man, this is my situation. I'm starting to get a little nervous because I think this is becoming a little bit more serious than just, you know, me um, doing my hobby thing and helping some friends and family. What can I do to do this on a grander scale um, and, um, that's kind of where we left. I basically said, look, I want, I want to do what I do. I want to research ICOs. I want to invest in those ICOs and, and that's it, you know, and I, and, and that's kind of where we left it. Um, so 
basically, I guess to start off with one of the biggest questions that I see on a regular basis that has kept me up nights, okay, is do I need a FINRA license to do what I'm doing? And if not, why not? Now, I know we talked about this earlier, but I want to educate the viewers so that they understand the differences in how funds like this work, um, you know, in, investment instruments, different hedge funds, so forth and so on, kind of the differences in, in kind of what we're doing and how it's different. Sure, not, not a problem. So it, it, the, the irony, right, <clears throat> in all of this is that the great legal debate with, with crypto, and especially the ICOs, is what is a security and what isn't a security. And obviously, if the like ICO token, for instance, is a security, then that triggers all the securities laws that we find ourselves having to deal with here, right? Because by virtue of creating a fund, we're having to go through a securities offering, which is selling a pro rata interest in the in the fun, in the fund partnership so you know that's that's kind of where we are and that's why this isn't as i guess smooth and easy as a lot of these icos that you advise your clients on because as money the icos that i represent people on you don't have to go through the accredited non-accredited process you don't have to go through the offering memorandum process you don't have to go through the process of starting up a limited partnership but to your point and to, the, to answer your question as it relates to um, the need or lack thereof for a FINRA license is that you don't need one simply because you are creating this private fund, right? Uh, and there's a myriad. I mean, there's six, 60, 70 odd FINRA licenses that one could get and they all newer to different things. But the primary one is what, what would be known as like your series seven, your series 63. And that is typically what like a registered financial advisor or what, what we would know as a stockbroker would get, okay? And that license, when you are associated with a registered firm, allows someone to earn a commission on the purchase and sale of securities to another individual, right? That's not what we're doing here, okay? What we're doing here is having a private offering of limited partnership interests of securities for purposes of pooling uh, funds, pooling Ethereum, and making investments much like any of the millions of hedge funds in the world do. So for what you're doing, since you're not managing people's accounts, right, you are you are engaging in, in sort of a fund management capacity. You're not actually selling people anything, taking a commission on it. You don't require that sort of license. Now, the reverse of that is what may come up, and it's not necessarily a FINRA license, but it's a registered investment advisor license right and that is a registration that you have to make through your state and uh through the the federal level sec and that relates to earning <clears throat> managing people's money and then earning some form of a commission plus like an asset under management but again the differentiation is that here we're taking we're 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 grouping investors together and they're you know there's a commonality of interest in terms of the investment as opposed to each investor having their own account and you going in there and either acting as a stockbroker where you're selling them mutual funds, you're selling them something and taking a commission on it or acting as an investment advisor where you are offering them managed guidance. Like, so you think of like the kind of the term managed wallet, the problem with the managed wallet, which when we first met, that's kind of what, you know, we were, we were kind of exploring. That's very difficult to do without having some sort of investment advisor license because that managed wallet, that wallet is still property 
of the client and you're just earning a fee or would be earning a fee for providing like investment guidance and, and trade recommendations things like that nature. That's not what we're doing here. And the, one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing is to avoid the necessity of having those licenses, of having to have those licenses. Because I can tell you that number one, there are basically no FINRA broker dealers out there that I'm aware of that would allow a registered investor, registered financial advisor, or one of their stockbrokers, to sell any sort of ICO token or fiat, or I'm sorry, or just like a Bitcoin spot Bitcoin. Not talking about the Bitcoin futures or the Bitcoin right. options. They, they won't. I, I know so many of these guys who are licensed financial advisors, and they're not allowed to touch any of this stuff. One of one buddy of mine was just approved to own it himself. To be able to actually set up his own wallet and make a purchase into Bitcoin. He was just given approval. And this is from these big financial, you know, advisory conglomerates, you know. <laughs> I won't name any of them, but yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. So I, I love the fact that you've explained that so well. Um, now, I, so one one other quick, easy question, just, just for my own sake, and it's not even really about the fund. So on my video right here, I have a in green it's like very bright green on black. And it says, I am not a licensed financial advisor. Is that a sufficient disclaimer for what I do in my channel? And this is more to help anybody else out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, to be honest with you, I mean, it's sufficient, but it's really not, it's not needed, right? I mean, you're not offering, you're not offering the service, right? Like you, you aren't, acting in a capacity or seeking to act in a capacity or soliciting clients like I would, like when I had my side to Series 7, you know, a million years ago. Well, you're not soliciting people for purposes of acting in that capacity. So, I mean, it's more than sufficient in the sense that you don't really need to have anything unless you're going to, like, you're towing that line, but you're not towing that line. So, so by me going and talking about different ICOs and crypto coins and things that I like, or, hey, I just bought this coin today, things like that, that's not, that's not, that's not anything that's going to get anybody on YouTube in trouble. Like, <clears throat> I mean, that, I guess, because that, that's the big concern everybody on YouTube has. Like, if we don't throw out this disclaimer that we don't have a license that doesn't exist for us anyway, that we could somehow get into trouble. And, I, and it, it freaks me out. I know it freaks a lot of people out. Well, I mean, I mean, look. Out of out of an abundance of caution, would I keep that there? Sure. Would I put this is you know would I add the addendum, which you know add this to the list of things I need to do? Maybe put something in the effect that this is not an offering, uh, not a securities offering. You can put all that, right? I mean, it's not it's not a requirement legally, but you need it doesn't hurt to include it, right? Because at the end of the day, confusion is what ultimately leads to to you know litigation right so it's like that's how you can avoid it but I, if i can kind of like guess where you're going right and and you know for those for your followers and you know for people who don't know me who i'm guessing most of you don't uh you know my background for you know the 15 16 years in practicing has been in securities in the last four i've kind of migrated over to to uh, crypto, but I've done, you know, over 50 IPOs and reverse mergers and all this stuff. And so when you're, and a lot have been in the micro cap and small cap arena, right? And that's where you see like stock promotion, right? That's where you see like, you know, the, you, sort of the pump and dump, which is sort of an illegal form of it, but that's where you see like a lot of hype, right? Because you've got this like myriad of, of small, 
companies vying for attention, you know, as opposed to like New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, where you see, you know, the biggest household name type securities. Well, there's rules about how you as a promoter, as a paid promoter, as a compensated promoter, that you have to disclose the fact that you have been compensated for like promoting the stock. But again, you're not doing that here, right? Like what you're basically offering is your, you know, very valuable opinion on, you know, different ICOs that you've done the research on, you've, you know, done the due diligence on, you find to be, uh, you know, of investment grade. And so, you know, in the absence of you being engaged and having like this conflict of interest that you see all the time, right? Think about like all the, you know, penny stock world, see that all the time where people are out there, this is great. And social media is just like, it's the worst for it because no one's impartial and everybody's anonymous. I mean, you know, here you're out there saying what I'm doing, but you're not picking these securities because, or these ICOs because people are saying, Hey, Jason, you know, we love what you're doing. You know, here's X amount of token or what have you. Can you, you know, give us a good word? You're offering your own impartial advice, right? I mean, that's what people pay for. So when it relates to like what disclosures you have, the legal disclosures, you know, for like this sort of quasi online marketing, social media marketing really relates to like conflicts of interest. Everything else is really just First Amendment, right? Which is just your opinion. I mean, your opinion could be terrible. Right. I mean, that doesn't, doesn't make, make it, it any less. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's just your opinion. Right. At the end of the day, and in, in the absence of you being paid to do it, you know, then there's there's no required disclosure. Now, what you have up there, I mean, does it make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I mean, because I you know, I do paid reviews as well. You know what I mean? But I'm really just kind of going over the content. You know, I'm going over their websites. I'm going over. You know, I'll go, I'll talk a little bit about what position the coin is in compared to where it was maybe a week ago. Um, do I think that the technology merits a, you know, a rise in value over time, things like that. But I, I, I don't necessarily say, oh, you know, you, you need to buy this and, you know, I'm giving you financial advice. I tell everybody, look, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Do your own research. And I, I say that quite often <laughs> um, just well, to kind of let everybody know that this is a, this is a personal opinion based off of what I see. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily anything that anybody needs to follow. You, you, you use me as a guide, maybe, um, to kind of point you in the right direction of things. But don't definitely don't go out and buy everything I talk about. Well, and, and, and so you have the differentiation, right? And this is what's like to me being, you know, sort of securities like nerd about it. I mean, these are where in traditional finance you have this infrastructure, right? Like and you have, and you've had for, you know, a hundred plus years, you have large investment banks, small investment banks that, you know, offer like research reports, right? I mean, you know, if you turn on CNBC, like any given day, there'll be a rundown of like, you know, upgrades, downgrades, buy, sells, whatever recommendations that, you know, your larger investment houses like offer. Well, that's not promotion, right? Like they get paid to come in there. There's a, there's a fee that was related to that, but they're still offering like an unbiased sort of opinion, right? What paid promotion is sort of like this one-sided biased like pump of, you know, really anything, right? So you can differentiate the two, right? And, and so, you know, doing a paid review is, really filling that void that you don't see in this market where there's some knowledgeable third party who's going to come in and offer 
some unbiased opinion about what's going on, right? I mean, and that's and that's what's not there. You don't have independent research, right? So in the absence of having that, I mean, you have people who try it, but in the absence of having that, that's that's fine. That's not promotion. Promotion is like this thing is going to the moon and I got paid a bunch of tokens to tell you that whether I think that or not. Right. And that's not what we're doing here. Gotcha. And that, that makes me feel a lot better because people who watch my paid reviews know that if I, you can pay me to talk about it. doesn't mean I'm going to speak well. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I, 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 I accept offers to talk about different ICOs, but if I, you know, if I'm digging into it and uh, you know, I, I find stuff that I don't agree with or I don't think is, you know, uh, appropriate or you know the team's kind of weak or whatever the case is i i say it you know and um so yeah that's and i think that's part of the reasons why people enjoy and and i think honestly i think it's still a reason why some people who even though they know my reputation for calling out icos that i think are not probably going to do so well for whatever reason they still like to try their luck because you know the way i handle my reviews gets views and so they're they're buying they're 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 more interested in buying the exposure than just me saying yes buy this today because it's like you know you get enough people that are doing that nobody gives a shit anymore anyway you know so it's it's yeah so that's that's good and it's and it's like contrary. I mean, it's such contrarian thinking half the time, right? Like, you know, anytime you see it, and like people come in and like will pan something at like ten. You know, I mean, there's this whole worldview of like just because the guy said no, I'm gonna go jump in and do it because somebody else said yeah. So, I mean, you're just you, you know, the, the cryptocurrencies. It's just it's imperfect, right? Like, you know, they're not like compared to traditional financial markets. They're like obviously in their infancy the liquidity is actually strikingly low, right? Compared to like, you know, shares of Google, right? But that's why the returns are strikingly high at times because of that, right? Because of this imperfect information and because of like this lack of like formal infrastructure. So, you know, people like you fill that that void, right? In the absence of there being, you know, un- until it, like traditional finance comes in and sort of accommodates that, right? So. You know, I mean, that's that's just the nature of the beast. That's the market we're in. So, so I, I'm I'm looking at some of the questions. Um, one of the big questions. So, <clears throat> can you explain to people kind of the differences between, um, you know, the fund as it relates to accredited investors and then those who are not? What what can we say um, to kind of explain the differences and you know what's to be expected? Right. right. Okay. okay, so let's let's start out by saying, you know, for purposes of what we're talking about here, none of this can be construed as to be an offering of securities, right? Let's let's just have a general informational chat on how this works, just in the sort of high-level general framework of securities regulation. So, you know, if if the the term, if you're familiar with the term crowdfunding or the Jobs Act, right, which was is a relatively recent vintage um, that amended what has always been known as Regulation D. And Regulation D of the Securities Act uh, governs private sales of securities, right? So like, you know, for instance, the sale of partnership interests in the fund. And uh, there's different subsets, different rules, 506, 504, et cetera. And the traditional and relatively new uh, crowdfunding exemption is rule 506 okay and what was unique about the change when they made that 
was that Rule 506C uh, said that you could raise an unlimited amount of money in a private offering, and you could uh, generally solicit, right? Meaning you could like solicit online, you could use sort of open, open marketing, right? To do that, which you couldn't have done before. But if you wanted to use that exemption where you could raise you know, unlimited amounts of money, you had to cater only to and accept only accredited investors, right? And so there's different you know, subsets of what an accredited investor is, right? Million dollar net worth, uh, $200,000 net income, uh, any sort of entity, institution, retirement account, things like that are you know, deemed to be individuals like that or corporations or LLCs, partnerships, what have you, are deemed to be accredited, right? And while you can solicit and undoubtedly like in a 506 and crowdfunding type scenarios, while you could solicit, you know, in a broad manner, right, you could not sell and still cannot sell to a non-accredited investor. So that's the limitation, right? So when, you know, as like we've spoken about, when you're out there marketing the master fund, you may see that non-accredited individuals like will respond, right? Or like, you know, see the marketing and like inquire, but for that master fund per rule 506, you wouldn't be able to accept their investment. Now, for that master fund, you have an unlimited amount of uh, capital that you can raise, right? And being like a hedge fund, um, you know, typically you tend to keep the the offering, if you will, open, right? And there's some different limitations about about you know when hedge funds get big enough that you have to have to register, but that's you know kind of far down the road, so we won't go down that that rabbit hole with it. But the reality is. You know, in the manner in which you market this master fund, you're undoubtedly going to be contacted or, you know, with your following, as I know you have, you know, garner responses from individuals who may not meet the requirements of accredited investors, right? So you with me thus far on that? Yeah, I just mute, I mute myself when you talk so you don't echo gotcha. everybody. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you, okay. yes. All right, so... <clears throat> So the reality is the 506 of the master fund is solely limited to accredited investors. Now, rule 504 of regulation D provides for some exemptions and a different offering structure. So a limitation of like 5 million and an exception for up to 35 non-accredited investors. But unlike with the master fund rule 506, that solicitation can't be open solicitation, right? There has to be sort of some direct private communication. There can't be kind of this, you know, offering online and things like that. So <clears throat> as you know, we've discussed and how, you know, how we sort of structure this on a go forward basis is that, you know, especially with the website, that site and that the content of that site is really directed only towards accredited investors, right? And to the extent that different individuals who are following you and, you know, want to be part of, you know, the, the, the baby fund, the non-accredited fund, we can sort of take that offline 
talk to you and like do the onboarding process in that manner. Because again, the open solicitation, right? Like that sort of broad marketing, right? That, that you're already employing and that, you know, everybody else doing 506 can do, can't apply to any other exemption other than that 506. So it's only going to apply to accredited investors. So as it relates to, you know, the baby fund or the baby funds, as it go, you know, as, as they sort of go through, you know, we'll have to connect sort of, you know, I don't want to say offline, isn't it? but, you know, outside of the ambit of that, that general framework that we've created for the master fund, because that marketing isn't meant for or dedicated to non-accredited investors because it can't be. Gotcha. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm even starting to understand a little bit more now about, you know, it's funny listening to you on the phone, talking about all this stuff and watching you talk about it. It's definitely a lot easier to understand what you're saying when I'm seeing you. I don't know why, but, um, so, you know, so I, I get it. I mean, basically, you know, in the, in, for the, just due to the way the regulations work, my, my, what I'm doing is I'm ultimately marketing to accredited investors but the the non-accredited investors are taking interest. They want to be involved as well. But in order for them to be involved, it's it's a separate fund. It's a different fund, not associated with accredited investors. And there's a cap on the number of people that can be associated with each of those funds. Is that basically what it boils down to? Yeah. yeah. And then there's, 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 there's three, three differences. differences. One, One being the the amount of the size of those funds would be limited to essentially 5 million. Okay. Now, ultimately or pragmatically, does that, you know, make a difference for what you're doing? Arguably, maybe not. Um, but there's a limit, there's an exception for up to 35 non-accredited investors. And of course the general solicitation, um, you, you know, the general solicitation rules do not apply. So we can't use those. Right. Um, but, you know, again, and, and we sort of talked and spoke earlier today about how we can modify the website a little bit to make it a little more clear. And at the same time, a little more, I don't want to say compliant, but more straightforward from a client client's perspective on how, you know, we can, we can still connect with not potentially non-accredited, right? Because, you know, ultimately you may not know until you really like look at it. Uh, non-accredited investors for, you know, these alternative smaller funds that, that, you know, we're going about creating. So the, just to, just to, so that I, I better understand as well. So the people that have come on board and they basically expressed interest, obviously we haven't taken on any of the, uh, the baby crows or anything like that yet. Um, and so I, is the, is the, so with me having talked about this fund and, and people finding out about it from YouTube and other things that I've done, um, you know, what if, what if some of these people came, uh, because I talked about being able to help non-accredited investors? I mean, because I, that, that probably has happened up to this point where I basically, I basically said, look, you know, um, I can have very few in each fund, but I can, I can ultimately help unaccredited people, um, in the ICO market, what what do I do about that? Like, if, is that an issue? Having not actually brought any of these people on board yet, provided there are certain precautions and compliance issues that we address, or did I already just screw up? No, I, no, I don't think well, you didn't. Well, one, you definitely didn't screw up because you haven't launched the 
the the smaller funds, right? So I mean, nothing's codified in a sense like that. Two, you know, what's what's important in sort of the grand scheme of things, and I could I could, you know, talk for an hour about the marketing rules and how that works for non-accredited investors. And you know, I, I know we've spoken about it in, in length, and we could probably speak about it for another couple hours. I won't bore your audience, but you know, the part of that is having a relationship, right? You know, your ability to to reach out to potentially non-accredited investors for, you know, a, like, let's say a fund, you know, a, a 504 fund that has the ability to accept non-accredited investors. Part of it's having like a relationship, right? A pre-existing relationship. And with many of, you know, your followers, many of the, as I understand, it, at least many of the people that, you know, may have interest and may not be accredited, right? you know, may already have a relate business relationship with you through the Patreon account and, and things of that nature. So, you know, the, the solicitation, right. And, and I know, you know, we can kind of refine this, but how you connect with those individual people and, you know, what that looks like is really the key, right. That's really the key to do this in a compliant, compliant manner. Right. Because again, like we, we have to sort of create, you know, what's called the Chinese wall between the master fund, which is only for accredited investors and, you know, any fund that would provide an exemption for some amount of non-accredited investors. Okay. So that's, that's really, you know, that's really the nexus of it. Right. And, you know, with the documentation and the disclosures and, you know, sort of the due diligence that we would do on anybody, right. Whether it's accredited or non-accredited, I think, you know, that that sets the bar right and you go from you go from there um you know as it relates to how you reach out to them well in most cases you have a relationship with them right you know if they're your subscribers if they're you know known to you if they're you know friends family what what have you um you know your act of reaching out to them is you know a de facto sort of compliant type solicitation as opposed to broadly like you know i'm gonna just shoot an email to you know fifty thousand people that i found like that in a non-accredited sense is not kosher you know having some sort of like cognizance of who you're dealing with right not just shooting anything out of space and trying to catch something that yeah i mean to be to be honest the the pretty much everybody for the most part that is involved in my kind of crypto crow sphere have come to me from all walks of life all over the world and all of my Facebook, Telegram, cell phone, text messages, emails, like you name it. People have just swarmed to me like I'm just this seven foot mm -hmm. magnet of man meat and everybody's just, you know, wanting a piece. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I know you can't see me, but... Uh, um, but, you know, it's it's so I feel better knowing that, you know, really all I originally I just started with this kind of channel talking about what I do and, and, and I, coins I like. And and it started very hobbyish. Um, but just there are so many people who have come to me and said, can you help me? Can you what can you do for me? Like, I don't know even how to set up a wallet. And that's where the whole like wallet management kind of came into play because it's not financial advice. It's, I get emails to this day, people trying to word things properly so that I'll answer them because, which I still don't, 
uh, you know, I, I, if I have $1,000 and I'm going to buy Cardano or go into your fund, what should I do? This is what happened today. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you have to go with your heart on that. I can't tell you what to do. It's like a personal you know, decision for yourself. And they email me back, like, how can I word this in a speculative manner so that you'll answer? And I'm like, I just, I can't, you know what I mean? So I feel that giving giving what i i have known up to this point even prior to you know starting to work with you and talk to you about planning all of this you know i, I i'm hoping that you know my big thing is i and you you know obviously by now especially like with all my emails every i just i like went just so everybody knows i went ape shit last night like i was up super late just you know it it was one of those moments where you know, there are so many people relying on me to to help them, to do something for them. And, you know, it's like when, when you've got all these laws and regulations and all of this gobbledygook that I'll never understand fully, and it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to kind of juggle the expectation and the excitement and all of the questions and everything else going on on this side of the fence and, and juggling that with all my own concerns and securities of, you know, self-doubt, ignorance of the laws and making sure, you know, you get where I'm going. And so yeah. that's, 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 you know, the fact that, um, I, I, you know, in talking to you, I know that you know what you're talking about. And that's a big reason why we're doing this tonight is to help educate everybody else. And so that everybody else kind of understands, like you always say, like everybody's an expert, like everybody. And, and I agree, like everybody's an expert and everybody has their own idea as to what they think is law or what they think is right. Um, you know, just so you guys know, and because I've seen a lot of this. Yes. Adam is the crypto crow master fund lawyer. Like he is the, the gentleman who's been helping me put this whole thing together, teaching me, you know, what all this stuff means, you know, and, and, and really helping me through it. And ultimately he is, you know, he is helping you guys by helping me help you guys. So, um, you know, and he also has a channel on YouTube that he puts a lot of information on. Um, and so, you know, make sure you guys check that out. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go over here to the chat. We've been on here for a little while and I don't want to keep you all night. I know how busy you are. Um, I figure I'll get a, a few good questions for you. And then, um, well, I know one thing everybody's asking me is when are the baby crows launching? Like, when can they expect to start seeing activity for, for being able to, to work with them? Well, the, the infrastructure and the offering memorandums in place. So I think, you know, given what we've kind of discussed here on, you know, and, and offline uh, between us, how we start approaching, I mean, to the extent that you, I know you already have, but how we start, you know, the process of onboarding, um, I think we can, you know, you're you're ready to go, right? I just I think we probably need 15 minutes to just talk about the mechanics and the methodology of it, right? And you know, again, I think it's just getting that squared away, which I know, you know, we sort of bounce back and forth on like exactly what to send, who to send to, and all that. But I think you're ready to go if, if you're ready, you know, you're comfortable. I'm I'm comfortable with it. So. Okay, great. That's like you just made everybody's night. Um, <laughs> so because I know that 500 of the people on here tuned in to find out when are they going to be able to do anything. Um, so one other question, how what are the differences? Because I, I get asked this a lot. What are the difference? Be, the, the differences between um, 
excuse me, American investors and those outside of the United States? Yeah, so, <clears throat> and and I think that's that's sort of the next stage. Um, when you're dealing with an investor who's outside of the United States, regulation D doesn't necessarily apply, right? It's called regulation S. And so the the accredited, non-accredited standard in the marketing will sort of go by the the wayside, right? They're not they're not really applicable to uh, people outside the U.S. and Canada. So Canada is included on it. But um, you know, so that it's really a similar process, and and I think the, the documentation is a little bit different, which I've said I've put together, but we just probably need to like square it away. Now the the next you know, I think the next phase, right, when this sort of, you know, when the master fund sort of has reach, reaches critical mass is the establishment of what's known as like a feeder fund, right? And overwhelmingly, you know, most significant hedge funds, you know, in the United States will have an offshore feeder fund. And a feeder fund is just simply, you know, I don't want to call it like a dummy fund, but it's a fund that's domiciled or created in a place like the Cayman Islands where, you know, which is a huge hub for hedge funds or, you know, some similar locale that has low tax or no tax. And the, the investment objective of that fund is to do one thing and that's invest in the domestic fund. So it gives people the option, whether they're in the United States or outside the United States to invest in an offshore jurisdiction. And to the extent that they are, you know, not from the United States, there is some, there can be some value in it because there's different tax treaties, which I won't get into because I, I would say consult your tax advisor. But, um, you know, I think in the grand plan, right, the grand scheme of things, that's um, sort of where we we go with, with uh, that. But for the time being, right, you know, anybody from outside the United States is is really on par with with any of the accredited investors because the delineation between accredited and non-accredited doesn't doesn't really exist. So, um, you know, they're, I think, again, I think we've got all that documentation together. I think just another quick clarification between you and I, and you can reach out to those individuals. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I think, I think for the most part, we covered all the most important things. Um, wow, we've been at this for 38 minutes. I really do appreciate you doing this tonight. Um, you know, it's 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 Monday. Oh, and, <laughs> you know, no, um, no, 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 no problem. I'm just uh, listening. My my dogs have a savage fight. Of course, you know the minute. I oh, I, I don't hear any of that. So that's all. Okay. That's all good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not running some dog ring. I'm just that's just. <laughs> yeah, everybody. My lawyer is a pit fighter. Uh, no, right. um, <laughs> Chase doesn't pay very well, so I you know I run pit bull fights on the side. So you know it it. it so it fits in the uh, the gaps. Oh man. Okay. Well, um, I know that a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of it looks like a lot of people have a lot of tax related questions. Which I know you're going to have to defer to a tax expert. You know, he, guys, he's a securities lawyer. He's not. He's not somebody that can advise you on the taxes. So I'm not even going to waste his time by asking him that stuff. Um, you want to ask somebody, go back and look at the video where I interviewed, um, you know, Scott living good about, uh, crypto taxes and whatnot. And I am going to be having him back on, um, 
so just so everybody knows, you guys get your questions ready for him. Once I get back from Arizona, I'm actually going to be starting with them on handling my crypto taxes, and I'm going to be reporting back as to how well that went. Um, so save your tax questions for them. Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything, man. I think at this point, I've got... Um, I've got one more video that I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm going to call it a night and uh, I'm going to get rested up. And I basically, I will say this. Um, I think when, as soon as I get back from Arizona, which will be next Monday, I will assume to start getting busy with reaching out to everybody and start some of the onboarding process. I know everybody wants it to be now. I know. I'm sorry. But I am leaving um, very, very late tomorrow evening to fly out to Arizona, which is where I'll be for four days. So, um, you know, I'm speaking at that, uh, the blockchain conference out there and, uh, you know, my wife and I are just making it a little mini vacation. So we're going to be out there and, and have some fun. So when I come back, I will be knocking your doors down, Adam, so that we can get this thing going. Yeah. Hey, and listen, in the, in the meantime, um, cause I, I can see, uh, the questions kind of rolling through over here. I, you know, it, if I can make myself available, you know, to do kind of an AMA type thing, either Reddit, Telegram, what have you, you know, where I can answer questions, I'm, I'm happy to do it. You know, feel free to work with me and schedule time and we'll, um, you know, we can work it all out. So I, I can see kind of a lot of the questions rolling through and they're pretty, you know, a lot of them are pretty short, simple answers, but I'm happy to spend, you know, an hour or two answering them. So just let me know. All right, man. I, I really appreciate it. I'll definitely take you up on that as soon as we get this thing going and um, have a very, very good evening for everybody else. Thank you for joining me tonight. Adam Tracy, the Bitcoin lawyer helping with the Crypto Crow Fund. Make sure you guys subscribe to his channel and start watching some of his stuff. Look, he teaches a lot of stuff that uh, I, you know, I can see you guys asking. He teaches a lot of different things on his channel. Um, it's not a big hoopla channel and he's not like me. He's not going to cry or anything. Okay. But you're probably <laughs> Probably gonna learn something so uh you know check, check, check. I, I can't charge my stuff yet either right you, can't. you, got, you got information people care about so, so you know, uh followers right so thank you guys for for, for uh viewing and um i will see you guys soon and until next time crow your coins <laughs>